Welcome. This is Victoria Schnepps, publisher of AM New York Metro, Schnepps Media, and 70 News Outlets. I'm delighted to bring you Power Women. Feel the power in our podcast coming to you from Schnepps Broadcasting, and you can find us on schnepsbroadcasting.com and wherever podcasts are found. Today, I am so pleased to introduce Elizabeth Crowley, a former city councilwoman, and is now off and running. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Vicki. Thanks for having me on Power Women. It's great to be with you and your podcast today. Well, tell me about the run. Tell me all about your... Well, wait a second. I think you better hold off. One second. I think I, I'm very, you know, happy that you're, um, you know, bringing the, being the only woman in a race. But I want to go backwards a little. And, you know, we want to share with our listeners how you got to be influenced in your early years by someone in your life to be this great success you are today. Can you give us some idea of what, who influenced sure, yeah. you? I think my mother had the most influence. I was uh, I was only seven when my father passed away, and my mom raised me as a single mom most of my life, and so she actually had 15 children, and I have 14 brothers and sisters. Oh my goodness, and where I, are you in the hierarchy? I'm in the hierarchy. I'm all the way at the bottom, uh, the 14th of 15. Wow, so, so you might be considered almost the baby. I'm, yes, I was called the baby boo. Okay, there you go. Baby. But my mom treated the four youngest probably like the babies. And my mom, she was an educator. Most of my life she was working. And she would work in communities that needed her help greatly, like Bushwick and the South Bronx. She ran early childhood education programs. And she showed me, by example, that when you help a woman, you help families. And when you help families, you lift communities. So I would say it was my mom and my 10 older sisters that... If we stay focused on our goals, there's nothing we cannot accomplish if we work hard and work together. Well, I think, you know, that uh, Crowley factor of being able to have such a large family, my God, you are they out there campaigning for you? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly helps. I, it, I should be in, you know, with 100 and some odd relatives. But uh, now Queens is a big borough. We have 2.3 million people live here so my family is just a very very tiny sliver of the population so but i mean i know now I'm you, lucky to have them i know now that you are uh ready to be uh in this race with everything you have for the borough presidency and you had been serving in the city council so tell us about this race for borough president yes well when i was elected to the council i was elected in the district um, 30, which in that area was like a Republican area, but I was the first Democrat ever elected there. One second, I just need you to stop because a lot of people don't know what District 30 is. So if you chair the oh. neighborhoods that sure. District 30 encompasses okay. where you were the representative in the city council. Okay. okay, yeah, I was first elected to the city council in 2008 and served up until the end of 2017. That district, which includes the neighborhoods of Middle Village, Glendale, Mastis, uh, parts of Richmond Hill, Woodhaven, and Ridgewood. It was always a Republican district. So I made history the day I was elected as the first Democrat in 2008, the first woman, and also I was the active union member. I was the first union member. So those, um, uh, you know, it, it was a combination of uh, those three types of voters that helped propel me to win in uh, 
on that special day, and I served for nine years in the city council. I didn't so realize you were that long. You were there that long. Nine years. Yeah, nine, nine years went by quick. I tell you, when you love the work you do, it doesn't feel like work. And uh, we were able to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. What felt like a short amount of time. And yeah, I cannot think of a better job, you know, to do other than serve and to serve as the borough president. To me, that would be a dream opportunity in the world borough, which to me is the most interesting place in the world. So you're talking about Queens, of course, and since our podcast of Power Women goes out across all our websites, people have to know the, I love how you refer to the borough. What makes Queens so unique? Well, certainly our people. Our people hail from over 160 different countries. We put our heads down often. You know, my grandparents came from Ireland. They didn't have much. They came for a better life. They were able to achieve the American dream. That's what our families want here, and it's real in, in Queens, where we often get less than the other boroughs, I think, because we don't complain or have had leaders that, like, really show how we're put uh, sort of as a forgotten borough. Well, what would you say we are, when you say that we get less, in what categories of government support? Okay, well, first, education. Education seems to cut through all communities as a very top uh, important priority. We, on average, get about $1,800 fewer per pupil here in Queens versus our counterparts in Brooklyn or the Bronx. How did that happen? Where our kids do better in school. Oh. Our graduation rate is closer to 10% higher than my outer boroughs. And it has to do with immigrant families, I think, too. I mean, they're strict, and the kids do better in school on average. And for that, we have more overcrowded classrooms and fewer teachers, and it's just not right. So we deserve our fair share in education dollars. When it comes to transportation, Brooklyn has twice as many train stops. Queens is 2.3 million people. We're growing fast, yet our trains are overcrowded. Try to get on the 7 train or the E train certain times of the day, good luck. So I have a plan to increase rail transit throughout the borough by greater than 30%, and this would be opening up new communities to transit access and give the ability for real housing to grow in, in a smart way where you have it transit-orientated and also create jobs and opportunity at the same time. So, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about affordable housing being built. Could you share with us what really defines affordable housing? How much money do you have to make in order to be in affordable housing? What are the parameters that will be uh, something that is uh, your way to build more for our borough? Well, it's a basic mathematical equation. If somebody spends more than 35% of their income, basically one-third of their income or more on housing, they become rent-burdened. And we have a lot of families going homeless, maybe not as many as the other boroughs, and that could be the immigrant factor, too. We're more likely to double up. But even though we only have about 6,000 families going homeless, and that's a lot, it's not nearly as much as the other boroughs. But our families are the most rent burdened. That means most of our families are paying upwards of 40% or more of their annual income on housing. And that's when it becomes not affordable. So we need to create more units where our families could live comfortably, not double up, and uh, afford a decent home, a decent affordable housing unit to live uh, and be. I mean, it's basic, it should be a basic human right for housing, affordable housing. 
We have seen the greatest expansion in some zip codes in Long Island City, largest expansion in the country. Yet that expansion was not met with a good rate of affordable housing units. So I wonder what acres and acres of land in Queens that can be rezoned, and a borough president can have hands. So what do you what do you think about? I recently had the pleasure of going to visit Hudson Yards and stay at the Equinox Hotel at the Hudson Yards overnight. Wow! And I just it blew me away what they did on land that was literally railroad tracks. And in Queens, we've got the Sunnyside Yards that have huge potential for housing. Tell me, have you looked at that and you have a position on that position of that piece of land? Well, Sunnyside Yards is over 300 acres and it would need to be decked over like the west side of Manhattan. Hudson Yards was decked over, but one square mile is over a billion dollars to deck over. So I, as I mentioned before, these old railroads that were once used to move passengers and currently only moving freight, one line, the Triborough Extension that goes through Astoria into Middle Village, another one that runs from Long Island City to Jamaica. These are neighborhoods that are running through that do not have access to affordable housing or access to transit. We look at Hudson Yards, they got a new train stop, and that's part of the reason that they were able to do an effective transportation-oriented development project. You go to Hunter's Point and Sunnyside Yard, you're already going to, you have existing train lines that are burdened. You're going to overburden them when you could potentially put less money into other projects and be able to get a greater uh, amount. Well, where else is there that kind of land available to build on in the county? It is all around these railroad lines. They're zoned M1. You see a lot of uh, stop and storage facilities going up. Just the one line that I studied, I started the study when I was in the council, and I only finished last year, and that's the that, that's a line known as the Lower Montauk Branch. That has over 100 acres. Just within Where a is that? Radius. Where is that? It, go, it goes from Jamaica to Long Island City. It goes through areas like Blissville, which is, could be very desirable, where we have the Kosciuszko Bridge that was built. There's a lot of area over there that is, is just old manufacturing land. So the, there's industry active, but a lot of that industry is clean industry. You could build housing right along and adjacent to it. It goes into Madsmith, it goes into Ridgewood, into Middle Village, Glendale, parts of Forest Hills, and Richmond Hill. All the right-of-way can be changed to a zone that allows for housing density. And so, then also, when I talk about the Triborough Extension, well, I say Astoria, but it goes in the Astoria area that is known as a manufacturing area. And even those properties are not built out as a right to the extent they could be built out because the land is not needed as much for industry. And so we could build and use it for housing and keep industry as well, but attract new businesses like tech companies to come because they want to be next to transit-rich areas. Transit is so critical to uh, the development of any neighborhood. And one of the things that bothers me is why wouldn't they build housing for the homeless people so they're not in these hotels where they pay the city pays, I don't know, some ridiculous $1,000 a day for these hotels when they could build housing for the homeless people to have homes. Right. Well, I think that that has a lot to do with our mayor and his failed homelessness housing policy. We see a few people getting rich by renting land 
to the city Department of Homeless Services when the people who need real homes are not getting access to homes. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a, a home, you know, pay less, but some people have no home. And here's an opportunity to them to be able to be, have a home if they're building and they're giving bonuses for affordable housing. But I don't know if that's under the authority of the pro- president of Queens. What would be your dream agenda for Queens if you were elected borough president? Well, better transit, more schools that our cultural institutions get more funding, funding to help them grow. Um, And I I think that those basics that go into what the role of the borough president does as a master of land use or land use master planner, those are the services we need, and that's how I could see us growing. I think we need a borough president that's going to say it's time for Queens. We can harness our natural resources, that is our people, we have uh, a diverse set of people who are interesting, and uh, we have good ideas. And coming together, we, we want to say it's time for our bow. It's time for big, bold, visionary ideas, and it's time to do that now. So when we talk about big, bold ideas, I'd love you to share with our listeners some of the secrets of success, things that you can share with them about how to be the success as you are today. Do you have some ideas of what you can share with our listeners? I think it, I was, I think we've got to be risky and not afraid to fail. I think far too many of the women in my life and friends that I know often say they're afraid to take chances because it might not work out as they plan. But if we don't take a chance on something, then we'll never know, we'll never have an opportunity to get it. And... Every time someone decides to take a chance, they usually, uh, even if they don't achieve their goal, they, they learn and grow through the process. So I think that we uh, don't let the uh, perfect be the enemy of good, and let's be bold and take some daring actions and uh, reach for the stars. Well, I love that idea of reaching to the stars and being bold and taking risks. I think those are three ingredients to a successful life. And I wish you great success, Elizabeth Crowley, running for borough president of Queens County. And this is Victoria Schneps from Schneps Media. And we have been listening to a power woman sharing her secrets to success. So we are delighted to be able to invite you to listen to all our podcasts on schnepsbroadcasting.com and wherever podcasts are found. See you next time. (laughs) 